following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Glad to be back in Studio B for another edition of the Intentional Foul. Um, I notice you have a, a pit stop area just to the left of your uh, back rec room here. I assume you have one bathroom upstairs or maybe two. One. You're one si- up. You're a single guy. You're here by yourself. You close the door when you got to take oh, care of business? Are you kidding me? Hell no. Wide open. Wide ass open. Still one of those things that I do, even though my kids are at school and my wife's at work, I've always closed the door. Really? Always. Oh. And locked it. <laughs> I don't know well, why. I don't know why. Like, I'd, I don't know what that is, but, like, I did that the other day, and I'm like, I should ask Dan this. I mean, I'm here by myself. Nobody's here. Nobody's coming in. I don't know. It's just something about that guarantee of privacy. I think it's only fair... That Uh-oh. because I get to watch my dog poop, that I allow him watch me poop. I think it's only fair. We're equal partners in this house. You know, I pay the bills. He supplies the entertainment. <laughs> if I get to watch him crap, so he gets to watch me. When you were in, in college and you were living with Ern and, and, and some other guys. and Well, I know. Not then. See, but I know roommates who have done that and still leave it open. Well, it would be like for a joke, but no. No, no it's not, just not like, for... whatever, don't care, I'm fine with it, you guys just deal. I don't think Chance and, and Bukach, Bukach would have lost his ever-loving mind, that OCD freak that he is. Really? Oh, he used to vacuum his room at like midnight, I mean. Oh, man. I was just curious. I didn't. I know there are there are people that have different ways of going about things, but I I wondered. Plus, if, it's nice, you know, you get a bachelor little, pad, get a little cross breeze going. That's you right. know, get the that's right. Get it kind of uh, fumigating, yeah, uh, um, immediately yeah. rather than all bent up until you open the door and then the the breath of fresh air hits you. I did do right. I, I did do a, a pee at at the at the rent's house not long ago with the door open and did get scolded by mom. Really, shut the door. I wouldn't do that at my parents either if I went over there, even though they've, you know, uh-uh. But All right. Locking it. Like, who's coming? Who the hell know. is coming in there to want to see that? I don't know. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's I could understand locking the door if your kids were home. Yes. You know, you don't want no. them walking in there and being scarred forever. Oh, no, not at all. Mm-mm. No. No, I, I don't know. It's just one like of those I came out of that things. thing, I thought it'd be bigger. Um, Thank you for that. <laughs> That's how we kick uh, off this edition of the intentional foul. Is our um, our sheets are becoming our our, our pregame uh, storyboards are becoming a little bit less and less as football games continue to whittle down. Um, yeah, I had to stretch it out a little bit to get to, get right. to two pages. Well, but. we'll see. Uh, we'll see what we got in store. Obviously, we're going to talk about championship Sunday. Um, we'll talk about new coaches and coaches leaving and coaches suing. <laughs> um, NBA. Uh, we'll touch on the Bucks. And uh, around the league as well, and coming off a couple of college hoops games from last night, 
uh, Marquette and Wisconsin both playing in as we get closer to uh, March Madness as well. So uh, all that coming up. We will start, as always, with the NFL and Championship Sunday. And uh, a couple of really good games. And aside from the divisional, or aside from the wild card round, which I think probably can be blamed, and I said it earlier this week on, um, you know, just the, like the... The di- seven seeds. The, the dilution yeah. of the of, of of the teams a little bit, of more inclusion. Um, you know, the divisional rounds, the wild card, they've been great football games. Excellent. Great football. I don't think that league could have asked for much more. No. And, and 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 when you look at those games rather than the kind of the garbage that was in wild card weekend I'm not sure it's going to be enough to reverse that because I don't think they're going back from it I don't think they're going to backpedal You know the 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 divisional and the championship rounds they they had a march madness feel to them because like the games were good I don't think the games were all-time great games but the fourth quarters, except for that Buffalo like, Kansas it, City, that one. was a, but yeah. but really not until last late in minutes, the game. Yeah, that's right. I think the fourth quarter and like the last six or seven minutes of these games is really what is has been fantastic, and it does. It reminds you of like you know the the eleven o'clock session on on the first Thursday of the tournament. You don't really need to watch the first half, but about twelve forty. When there's about ten minutes left in the game, you're like, I got to get that five twelve game on this for it's, sure. It's 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 a six point game. It's going to come down to the end. That's just kind of what these football games felt like. And I'm I'm sure the ratings were through the roof. I'm sure the league is is thrilled. Mm-hmm. Even even with Kansas um, City being out of it. Well, the the Packers and the Bucks getting knocked out in the divisional round, losing Brady and Rodgers. You know, I'm sure that you would if you have your pick. I mean, I know LA is a big market, but Rodgers versus Brady Part Two would have been huge. Mm-hmm. So, well, we'll start with the AFC, and that was uh, that was the Bengals coming in all the way from the wild card round to get into the Super Bowl by knocking out Kansas City two three point games with the AFC and the NFC, um, and really, you know. We kind of touch on this depending on how the game's going in our high school. It's kind of one of those scenarios. Take nothing away from the Bengals, who you know probably weren't picked to be there, maybe shouldn't have been there, but just did enough to do what they needed to do. But Kansas City really helped them out a lot. Shocking meltdown. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in the second half. I didn't. That looked like the guy from. Weeks like three to eight when everybody was flipping out about the Chiefs. Right. That looked like what we saw. It was just weird because these two teams played in week 17, and it was almost the exact same game. Kansas City got up huge early, and then they kind of started dicking around. And before you know it, the Bengals had tied the game up, and they end up winning. I, th- I think they won that game in overtime. Um, and then the same thing happens on Sunday because um, – some some questionable play calling and and Mahomes Mahomes's decision making especially in the fourth quarter down the stretch was really really bad. I mean he's been put into this this category with the Rodgerses and the Bradys and the Breezes and and you know these first ballot Hall of Fame all-time top 10 quarterbacks. He kind of has been anointed as the next guy. But man, I don't know. I 
I don't think you have to completely take him out of that conversation, but I think you need to reevaluate maybe his standing right now and say, oh, I need to see a little bit more here. Well, you put him into that category, and I'm not saying you as in you, but everybody that you just talked about, they put him in there very early yeah, because of what he accomplished. Um, and, you know, you take the league by storm and you all do all of this stuff, and then all of a sudden reality sets in and you're like, well, maybe it was a flash in the pan sort of a situation and we might want to just backtrack a couple of steps here, pump the brakes a little bit. Um, and that's, you know, no fault of his. I mean, he and the team, you know, won a Super Bowl and, and, and rightfully so. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, it, it it's a little early last decade Packersy to me, honestly, where it's like he's a great player. Like Rodgers was a, and is, is a great player. But if you would have said Kansas City's going to go to four straight AFC title games, they're going to host all four AFC title games, they're only going to win one Super Bowl out of that. I don't know. And then when you factor in the talent around him, Tyreek Hill, one of the best in his position, Travis Kelsey, the best in his position, some of the other guys that they've had, you've got a a Hall of Fame coach and Andy Reid. I don't know. I mean, I know it's really, really hard to win Super Bowls, and I think sometimes we all forget that when we criticize our various teams. But, you know, once Brady left the conference – kind of thought that that was the Chiefs to lose and then you you only go one and one in the title game and then you get blown out in last year's Super Bowl by Brady I don't know it just it's interesting you know as far as the game was concerned um bad play call at the end of the first half on on, on that little dump off pass to the side with no timeouts and you wind up not getting another shot at the end zone or uh, enough time to spike it and kick a field goal. Do you blame the play call, or do you blame the decision to throw it where he threw it? It's weird to me because I've never really heard from a quarterback. Do you think when they're setting that play up, do you think it's Mahomes' responsibility or any quarterback's responsibility to see that that's going to get blown up if I throw it over there? Because that looked pretty well covered to me. Do you count on your guy making a play? Do you still think, well, this is an opportunity? I don't think when you're in that situation that all of a sudden it hits you like, I better not throw this, I better throw it away, and we'll kick a field goal. I just don't know that that stuff computes that fast in there. Should it? Maybe. You should. I would think you should probably know. In the back of your mind, if that's the not huddle, there, I'm chucking it. Yeah. Yes. Because it basically... I mean, granted, you were on the two-yard line or whatever, but it was basically it was a Hail Mary because you either scored a touchdown or the half was over. Yep. Yes. You and, know? and Cincinnati came up with the play. And then the overtime uh, series for the Chiefs, three passes, they were all terrible. Mm-hmm. They, were all, they were awful. Um, and, I mean, especially at the uh, at the end of uh, – and, and at the end of regulation when they were driving down. I thought they were going to win the ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he hangs on to the football and he's zigging and zagging backwards between yeah. the hash marks. And he fumbled. And he fumbled, which could have, you know, you ended the game. That, imagine if that had ended the game. Thank his offensive lineman for, I don't know who recovered it, but one of the guys did, and jumping jumping on the on the ball. And then that wasn't a gimme field goal either. No. Um, but then again, I thought they would have won it there, and then I thought they would have won it on the coin flip. And then I, you watch Mahomes just throw three just abysmal passes, and it's like... 
this is yours, and you're playing like this? Well, he kind of got he – he did the same thing Rodgers did the week before with, with Adams. He was so dialed in on Tyreek Hill – you're throwing into double. You're throwing a jump ball into double coverage, and the guy and your guy's five eight. That's just not. That's not your best decision you can make there. No. No. Um. So I guess to answer your question, I I think I'd probably have to blame the quarterback, um, because if if the play call is there and you think the guy can make a play, great. But if it's covered up, then then you throw it away and mm-hmm. and, and you take the three points. But they got greedy. Yeah. You know, both both the coaching staff and and Mahomes did so. Um, I'm happy for Cincinnati. I think it's a great story. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I'm happy for Burrow. I'm happy for that whole organization. I mean, they've they've come close a few times and then kind of gone back down into like miserable status. And just consider where they were two years ago when they drafted Burrow and then two wins. Yeah, and then he blows out his knee and everybody's going like, "Oh my god!" They're going. They're now the typical. What? Well, they're going typical Bengals. They draft this kid, and they don't invest in the most in, in important part of the of the, the team line. The line, and he ends up getting his getting his bell rung every week and blows his knee out. Yeah, I mean, even early, like I said to you the other day, I go this team lost to the Bears. They Burrow threw three interceptions on three consecutive passes in that game, and the Bears ended up winning. I remember that. Um, I mean to say that that team was going to be a Super Bowl, even to even to be a contender for the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody would have believed it, but to see where they're sitting now, it is cool. I'm I really enjoy the fact that um we're we got something different. Same. It, it was a lot of Mahomes, Brady, Big Ben, Rogers, Breeze. It was kind of the same five dudes. And their teams, and to see you know a team like the Bengals, who I mean, let's face it, in in our lifetime they've been good like four times. You know what I mean? Like they made the Super Bowl in '88 with Boomer. I think they were they were good the year they um, ended Bo Jackson's career, and they were good like one year with Dalton, and that's it. So to see them in the Super Bowl is kind of cool, and we'll get to the NFC and. In a, in a sec, but, you know, same thing with, with Stafford. You know, to have somebody new, mm-hmm. you, we're going to have a we're going to have a quarterback. We're either going to have a older quarterback who a lot of people that have watched him have said, I know his record sucks, but, man, he's on the Lions. If you got him on a good team, I think things would be different. Mm-hmm. We're either going to see that guy get one, or we're going to go, how many is Burrow going to get here? Is he is he a four or five ring guy? Is oh. this could this be a new dynasty? And the first time ever Heisman yeah. national title Super Bowl. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool, and that's why I like the matchup. So um, Stafford and the Rams over San Francisco. I didn't watch much of that second game. I was busy doing other stuff, but um, I did watch enough of it. Um, and like I told you in the car when we were going, the only reason I'm not one of these guys where. You know, root for the team to lose that beat your team. That's, that doesn't, whatever. I would have liked it simply for the storyline that everybody, the fan base and the organization has basically let it be known, we are kind of done with Jimmy Garoppolo. We're looking for excuses to play the rookie, Trey Lance, and we can't wait until after this when we find a way to get rid of him and Lance, it can be his team, and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden... 
Garoppolo leads you to the Super Bowl. That would have been pretty funny. It would have been hysterical to me. Yeah. And I would have wondered what the narrative would have been in San Francisco then. I think if they had won Sunday, I think they would have won the Super Bowl. You you think so? I I do, because I think that they would have matched up well with, with the Chiefs or with the Bengals and, you know, the ability to just rush four dudes, then you can double chase on the outside. I think they would have beat the Bengals. And then you would have really had a shit storm out in the bay. But, I mean, look, hey, Niner fans, if there's any of them around here that listen to us, be careful what you wish for because you just went through this about 10 years ago. You had a dude in Alex Smith who was, he wasn't a superstar, but he was a guy that was good enough to keep you in the mix. You ditched him for a guy that you thought was going to be this this new hybrid version of a quarterback and he fizzled out extremely quickly. For, forget the whole kneeling part of Kaepernick. His football playing was trending the wrong way before that even had happened. And, you know, Trey Lance, the guy's played, like, two football games in the last two years. So, I mean, we I don't think anybody knows what he's going to be. I mean, no, when, he, when he did play this year, it was not very impressive. No. It, was, it was very Jordan Lovey. Um, bad version of Fields type stuff where you're like, oh man, is this guy really a that's why starter? I, I mean, I know it, and it's a completely different situation than Rodgers. It's just, it's just amazing to me that you are going with the possibility of promise and hope and success rather than somebody who's going to keep you in games, albeit will make a couple of monumental mistakes. But enough of a guy to not kill you and keep you competitive with the stuff that you have around him. You know, you're just so anxious to move away from that into the unknown. Right. I mean, you kind of get what you pay for then, I guess. Well, we've talked about it many times. It's like, how many good quarterbacks are there really? Right. Twelve? Maybe less. You know? And you've got... You've got the 13th or 14th guy. And it's not good enough. And it's not good enough for you. And you're, yeah, you're willing to just ship that guy out for this maybe. Who you don't eat. You can't even rank in that order because there's not enough of a of a uh, sample size. I mean, you know, if you're dating. Okay. Mila, you know, you're dating Mila Kunis and. You're looking around and all your buddies are dating Brooklyn Decker and Al McPherson and all these swimsuit models, and you dump me Lacunas for the girl down the street because you think she looks good next to the pool, like, I don't know, man. Like, might have just been better off sticking where you were. Kind of what I think. That's, I mean, that's what I think. Uh, but like you mentioned about Stafford, I mean, I, I'm happy for the guy. I was asked by, by Milam earlier in the week, you know, whether he felt any pressure coming from Detroit and, you know, all of this, hey, we paid a boatload of picks and, you know, golf for you, and now you got to get us there, and he does in the first year. But, you know, coming in, do you feel any pressure? And I'm like, I honestly don't think that he probably felt any pressure at all. I think he probably felt relieved. Mm -hmm. You know, get me out of Detroit. Give me a couple of guys. Give me a good running back. Give me a bunch of good wide receivers. Give me an awesome defense. You put me in 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 a competitive division, but I've just been busy getting my ass kicked by Green Bay, Minnesota, and, you know, competing with the Bears. I mean, and I get to play in a place that's brand new and it's 80 degrees every day. Why am I feeling any pressure exactly? 
I'm I'm thanking my lucky stars I'm in that position. For sure. Just go out and play at that point. And, you know, from where I sit, Packer fans tend to look down their nose at other teams' quarterbacks that aren't Aaron Rodgers or maybe Tom Brady, and they've always looked down their nose at Stafford. Um, and laughed at him and made jokes about how bad the Lions are. See, but I don't know why. It's I've always kind of rooted for him because I've always believed he was a really good player in a bad situation. And I think, you know, a lot of times with guys like that, you're just trying to make stuff happen. You, for you, sure. You know, you can, you know, these guys know. We're, we're limited here. Yeah, he had Calvin Johnson, and, and Calvin Johnson was great, but Calvin Johnson wasn't explosive. You know, Calvin Johnson, you could get he'd get you thirteen catches for a buck ten. It's like, well, that's only ten yards a catch. You know, where's the four catch for a buck ten guy? Right. They never had that. They never had the dynamic running back to go with him. The couple times they did have pretty good defenses, they made the playoffs. Um. So yeah, I'm 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 happy for Stafford. Um, I'm happy for me because I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl, so my pick's still alive. Um, but I, I think this is going to be a, a good game. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think there's a chance for some really big plays with guys like Cup and Chase and Beckham. I think that that could be fun. Um, I think there's a chance that we could see some good defensive stuff too. I mean, we talked about it the other night in the car. I don't really know anybody on the Bengals defense, but like they're good. And then of course with the Rams, you got Donald, you got Miller, you got Ramsey, you got Leonard Floyd. I mean, you got some studs where you might have a guy get a two or three interception game. Maybe there's a pick six. So I, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl more than I have the last few years, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks. I know you're going to be tuned in on Sunday afternoon for the Pro Bowl. Is that this week? <laughs> well, is it is it this week? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nobody really cares. I mean, all three of the Packers guys that were going to play, they've all bowed out. Yeah. Rodgers and Adams and 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 Kenny Clark, they're all out. And I think Packers have like Jones, the punter Bohorquez, and. I think Rasul Douglas and somebody else's alternates. I, I don't even know whether. I wonder if play. that game would be more interesting to fans if it was like what the NBA does for All-Star Weekend where they have like a rookie game, like a rookie sophomore game. Like the day before? Yeah. Would it, would, would the, it's the it, JV it, game? Well, it would be like the Rising Stars game or something, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. And it could be, it, I, I'm not saying it needs to be like a real, real game, but it could be a little more real than what the Pro Bowl is. And, you know, I mean, if I had an opportunity to see another couple quarters of Fields and, you know, Lawrence and some of these guys. I think that's a lot more entertaining than seeing Kirk Cousins. What would you say? And I guess I would have to run, you know, hear what, what the players have to say, too, because I know there are there are bonuses for making the Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, getting voted in and whatnot. What if you were to completely incentivize that game? Like... If you put up so many passing yards or rushing yards or touchdowns or whatever, and you have a chance to go out there and make some plays and walk away with a, with quite a bit of money, would that make guys play any harder and make it more of a real game, or is that a little know. bit more dangerous? I don't know. I, I think the... Because how do you incentivize it for the defense? 
Because now you're basically telling them to play harder and put the offensive well, yeah, guys and, more at and risk. And how do you, you know, what's in it for the kick returner or the left tackle? Something realistic. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. And how you'd have to make the money worth the while of, the of, of putting your career on the line, really. You know, what's mm-hmm. that worth? I don't know. I, that's why these all-star games anymore, really with the exception of baseball, um, they're tricky to do. I mean, even with basketball, like, those guys, it's a glorified pickup game. They're trotting. Nobody's in a stance. It's a bunch of lobs and long three-pointers. Nobody's getting up under anybody's feet. Um, You know, the last thing, I mean, I remember several years ago when Dwayne Wade accidentally broke Kobe's nose in the All-Star game. You know, like, and that was, you know, obviously you can play with a broken nose, but, like, you know, what if a guy blew his knee out in a game or... Remember, I remember that Patriot running back who blew his knee out in the, in the sand football. football game and it never played again. And it's like, those are big risks to take. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that, I don't know. And and even my idea with the rookie sophomore thing, I don't know that, that that would be worth it for them to do either. I'm just saying it might be a little more entertaining. For sure. But I don't know that people would want to do it. I mean, Obviously, these guys all have incentives in their contract where if you hit certain markers and you become an all-pro or a pro bowler, you get you get a bonus. Um, I, I I almost think we're to the point where these – like the NFL season now is so freaking long. We're going to be going into the middle of February. Um, just name the all-pro team and pay the guys their, their bonus and move on. I don't think – I just don't think it will be missed. Mm-hmm. I know I no I agree with you and and also the fact I feel like also for the guys that haven't been to Hawaii that used to be a draw because, it did because yeah it used to be out there it's like well it was cool as a fan to watch these guys are all walking around with the lays on and families just, are out yeah, there it's, it was, it's a trip it's paid for it's whatever it's the can, first experience they used to do like the um, the quarterback challenge yep, skills all, challenge all that, and all that stuff yes. out there and it was just everybody's in shorts and a t shirt yeah. very laid back. But and, yeah, I don't and, know. And now they move it around to the side of the Super Bowl, and it's just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like it would, you know, maybe it wouldn't have be well as well attended because who's going to say, well, let's plan our family trip to Hawaii around the Pro Bowl and go to that. They always seem to have a good, pretty packed stadium, though. So back I, in the day, kind of what I thought, but I don't know. I I I don't know what the solution is there. Um, and that's actually one football game that I will not be watching surprisingly uh, as well um some other couple of uh, notes tom brady according to adam Schefter, retired and then they pumped the brakes and said no we haven't made that decision and then first, came first out, and wrong still first oh man drives me nuts nuts <laughs> and then brady came out the next day and posted something long on instagram and okay we're doing this again now officially and now he is retired um so yeah hangs it up what did i see seven Seven Super Bowls, titles, titles played in nine. Uh, three Super Bowl MVPs. F- how many regular season? No, three regular season. I can't even remember. I I had the stats in the story that I read yesterday, and now they've all dissolved away. But um, I think he made the Pro Bowl like twelve or thirteen times, or something like that. Um, just I mean, you can get into the greatest of all time discussion and label if you want. I mean, I just know that his stats kind of speak for itself. And if he's not the best, you got to put him in the conversation with a, with a group of guys oh, at, absolutely. At, as the best. I did hear some people this week say he's the greatest football player of all time. Separating uh, that from the quarterback position? Yes. I That I, would, that I take issue with. 
Um, I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time, and it's hard to even really argue it at this point. With with the Super Bowls, the records, the longevity, it's kind of inarguable. Um, to me, that got cemented. If there was any question, it got cemented when you went to a brand new team and won it anyway. Immediately. I, to call it, you know, Lawrence Taylor would like a word. Jerry Rice would like a word. Jim Brown would like a word. Barry Sanders would like a word. Um, Anthony Munoz would like a word. I mean, there, it's you can't really compare different positions. It's you know that's why there is no true goat of football other than when they talk about. I mean, everybody knows Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver, and we think Brady's the greatest running or uh, quarterback. Nobody really cares. Nobody argues much about who the greatest running back is. Certainly, nobody argues who the greatest linebacker is. So, I don't know. To say you're the greatest football player ever, maybe a little bit of a stretch. But, interesting that in his Instagram post, oh yeah, completely ignores the Patriot organization. And then it was reported today, uh, Ted Johnson, who used to be a linebacker for the Patriots in the early 2000s, he reported that yesterday when that came out, Apparently, Robert Kraft lost his mind and threw a temper tantrum oh my God. for the fact that they were not represented in Brady's post. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. You know, it's like you're married to somebody for 20 years, you have a couple kids with them, and then you dump them for the hot model, and then you're going on social media and saying she's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you in your life, and your wife and kids are sitting around going, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like that, I, I could totally get that. Like that's, that's some serious, <laughs> uh-huh. that's some serious salt in the wound. Oh, for sure. For sure. No, I, I, I agree with that. Like as soon as I read that, like there was a little line at the end of one of the graphs, like there was no mention of Robert Kraft to the page. So I just went, Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Something really, it'll be interesting when, cause Brady's not going away. Brady's got his TB 12 and he's going to be making, documentaries he's I don't think he's going to be like Peyton Manning where he's going to be on TV calling games or anything but he's not going away I think we're going to see something in the next few years that might shed a little more light on on, his exit and why this happened I think so yeah it may not be directly from him but it might be like yeah you can you can share that Jim Gray if you'd like sure you know, or whoever, whoever else are his guys. It's been a while. This is over. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pretty settled into retirement. I got more money than God. Everybody thinks I'm the football God. None of my shine is going to come off of this. No. Yeah. Kind of interesting, though. Oh, very. Um, when do we hear the Gronk retirement? You got to think that's coming. Well, that's what I asked you. I'm like, how far? I, I, I figured it was 24 hours later. I kind of did, too. Or less. You know, I mean, yeah. it, we, you know, you had said, well, he's probably just all but retired. Well, fine, but you got to make an announcement mm-hmm. and say you're retiring. Maybe he's waiting to see if old number, they get a new number 12 down there. I don't know. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, my God. You, Brady walks out. You just plug Rodgers in with that team. And that defense. Oh. Yeah. Yep. You give him Mike Edmonds. You bring back Godwin. Gronk comes back. Woo. That's there. Hello. There'd be they'd be the favorites in the NFC. I yeah. think going forward, absolutely. Um, speaking of the Packers, 
uh, they are getting pilfered at the assistant coaching uh, and and positional coaches positions. Big big week for the NFC North. Yeah, lot of lot of lot moving of parts happening. I mean, the only quiet front has been Detroit. Yep. You know, the other three teams. Um, Which is really funny because usually they're the ones that are scrambling no, no around kidding, this time of year. Trying to find new people, <laughs> absolutely. So Hackett go, the OC goes to Denver, and then he comes back and he picks the quarterbacks coach Luke Getzey to be his coordinator in Denver, and then the tight ends coach he goes to grab um, as well, and he's going to go out there. So it's it's or no, Getzey went to Chicago. Yeah, Getzey went to Chicago, and now now the the tight ends coach is going to be the OC for Hackett in Denver. So it's like. Well, there's three guys gone that you have to replace immediately, and you got to find a new special teams coordinator because I don't know why you didn't fire Maury Straighton two weeks ago when you lost. I don't know what took him so long, yeah. whether you had to watch film, whether you had to do exit interviews, whether you had to do some sort of grading at the end of the thing. Well, we'll see how they grade it out, and then you got the score back like, oh, maybe we need to fire that person. And now they'll be on their third Special teams coach in three years. Yeah, but I think it's like the fourth in the last five, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's they haven't as, held that. Well, as good as Lafleur and his staff have been in his three years there, it's just strange that they can't figure that spot out. Well, I, uh-huh. I mean, I I read some some of the Packers beat guys, and they said the only the only way that this gets fixed, and it doesn't matter who you plug in there, because they were saying, you know, Drayton's not directly responsible. It's basically Lafleur and a lot of the other coaches and just the philosophical stuff up there that special teams isn't that big a deal. Right. We're going to design a kick-ass offense. We're going to find defense that, you know, is, is good enough to, you know, not let the offense have to score 50 points in order to win a game. And then special teams, well, you know, Crosby can kick some field goals and that'll be it. Like, it, it to them, it seemed like they did not give a shit about special teams. And until that is a organizational redirect on how they approach that, they're always going to be bad. Doesn't matter who you plug in. You can plug in the best coach you want there. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They just don't. It's not that dedicated of a thing for them that they pay attention to. What What do you know about this, Justin Outen, the tight end coach? I mean, well, no well respected. I mean, I, I, I. Outside of the coordinators, and unless there's been a guy that you heard of in college or used to play for the Packers, I couldn't tell you who a lot of the positional coaches okay. are. You okay. know, I didn't even know that that's who the tight ends coach was. Um, I don't know where he went to school. I don't know where he where he played. I don't know whether he's going to be a good coordinator. I mean, that seems to be a little bit interesting of a position, I guess, to me. Well, it's a non-play calling coordinator job. Well, right, because Hackett's because Hackett's going to call the plays. Yeah. So, I mean. I you know I don't know I don't know what this means for the Packers if it means anything losing those two guys and and well three guys if you count uh, Getzey going to the Bears I mean because I, I don't know Lafleur calls the plays I don't know I mean I'm sure these guys obviously they're involved during the week and preparing the game plan and yada yada but on game day. I don't know. Packers I, already have a new coordinator. They promoted their offensive line coach, Adam Stenovich, who's from Marshfield. Um, he's going to be doing that, so he's going to be, again, like you said, in a non-play calling role right next to the floor, but he's probably going to learn a lot. Um, and they've also promoted their assistant offensive line coach, Luke Butkus, to their permanent offensive line coach. My question more so, like, I'm not worried about, about the Packers stuff. My question to you is, 
this is your quarterback's coach in Luke Getze, and now you have a defensive coordinator head coach who's probably not going to be involved with the offense that much. Now you've turned it over to a first-time play caller who's coming off the Lafleur, um, you know, coaching tree, I guess. I mean, how confident are you that this is going to be an offense that really is going to, you know, showcase and improve with Justin Fields and whoever else they can put on the field? Um, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I think right now with the Bears, I think personnel is more important today. Um, you know, they got a lot of holes to fill on the offensive side of the ball. We've talked about that many times. So we'll see. I mean, I, from what I've read about Luke Getze, um, very well thought of in coaching circles, whatever that's worth. Um, you know, he was the quarterback coach, right? So he was in the room with Rodgers for however many years. He was so, also the passing game coordinator. Right. So I'm sure he so worked with Hackett yes. and LaFleur. So I guess, the, you know, your your hope would be that some of Rodgers's knowledge slash experience whatever you absorb some of that or maybe even helped contribute to some of that and you can bring it to Chicago and 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 help a kid kind of figure out the position um you know are are they gonna is it gonna be a situation where he comes in and they're all of a sudden a top five scoring offense in the league no I I I don't think that's reasonable um but it can't be worse than what they had (laughs) in Matt Nagy calling the plays yeah. So I, I and I and I like, um, I like what I'm, and we'll we'll get to the Bears, but I, I kind of like where where some of their stuff's going. Yeah, I mean, uh, Eberflus is kind of doing the same thing um, that a lot of other these guys that are leaving are going. They're going back to their old team to find their old guys. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, Allen Williams coached the safeties. He's the new Bears defensive coordinator, and um, and I haven't heard whether. Or not, they've announced if Eberflus is going to continue to be the really the the defensive play caller. Is he going to cede that right. to Williams? Or and, Williams and is be, going to be, be the right hand guy? And is Eberflus going to take what I think mo- what I think NFL coaches should be doing, which is the CEO approach? I just think it's you know a lot of these guys. You know, you can say, well, Andy Reid calls the plays and McVay calls the plays. Like, yeah, but their team, yeah, but the teams are stacked. You know, I mean, that Rams team, you got some weapons to play calling. It's probably not a lot of brain surgery there. Should take care of itself. Yeah, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Aaron Rodgers. They can bail you out of a lot of bad decisions that you make as a coach. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. I like the staff the Bears have put together thus far. It's, um, you know, it, it, it at least feels like they're going in the right direction. A lot of Bears fans, a lot of Chicago media were disappointed that they went with a defensive coach in Eberflus. I'm fine with it. I, I don't really think that matters that much. I really don't. Because they sometimes you know, sometimes it's like, what do you think this guy doesn't know offense? Right. Like he's just incapable of talking to a the guy he literally his specialty is to stop offenses. So you're telling me he doesn't know offenses? Like 
Come on, these are football coaches. When you start diagramming an offensive line, like zone blocking scheme, or like start yeah. to draw some routes and stuff like that, and I'm sure like, it, he raises his hand and like, "What do you mean?" Yeah, I'm, I'm sure at some point in his coaching life, he probably dealt with some things on the offensive side of the ball, and um, you know, I like bringing in Williams from the Colts. Somebody that you know, you trust, somebody that you can work with. They brought their linebackers coach from there, too. Brought him in as well. Can't remember his name. Bongozi um, or Bongozi or something like that. But, yeah, yeah I, you know, I like where they're headed. Um, GM Ryan Poles has come out and kind of strongly intimated that there's a culture shift that is happening. He talked about taking over the North and I know a lot of uh, people on ESPN snickered at that. I, I don't. I don't get that. I mean, I think anytime a new regime comes in, it's your your number one goal should be to win your division. That's all it is. It's a goal. So we just told you our goal. Why is that funny? You know. And and then the other thing that has come out here, um, apparently, he's met with some players. And he has not been, he has not bit his tongue on what he saw last year. Um, some of the things were guys taking shots at fields and nobody really coming to his defense. The only time there was was late in the year when they played the Vikings and Tevin Jenkins did. And that kind of stood out to a lot of people that, oh, okay, well, this guy, he's, he's struggling play to play, but he's... He's got his quarterbacks back. He's a team guy. That's that's a positive. We can we can work with that. Or some of these other guys, it was kind of like your quarterback gets knocked on his ass and he's picking himself up off the ground. You'd like to have a little bit more cohesion than that, and that's something that he pointed out. So I like where it's headed, but again, it's it, it the player players play, players win games, and they got to get better players. And until that happens, I don't know that Bear fans can really make. Uh, a decision one way or the other. Um, I guess as a when we're talking about the NFC North as well, um, and a lot going on except for the Lions, I'm a little bit thankful that there is not a Harbaugh permanent residence in Minnesota because I think that would have been a very interesting hire for a team that already should be better than they are on paper. Mm -hmm. And I think it would take somebody like Jim Harbaugh to give that team a kick in the ass and maybe ratchet them up a few notches. I agree. So I guess from a competitive standpoint, being a Packer fan, I'm glad that didn't happen. Um, you know, he called, I thought it was funny. He left the, he left his meeting with Minnesota without an offer. And it sounded like that since they didn't give him one, he immediately called Michigan and said, yeah, I'm coming back. I'll be there for as long as you want me to be there. You know, I, I kind of scratch that itch. Don't need to do it on a yearly basis. As long as you want to have me in Ann Arbor, I'll be there. Um, and that, that I think, is good twofold as well for the Big Ten and as well for at least Packers and Bear fans um, in the North because now it gives the Vikings to maybe hire, and we don't know. I don't know anything about this this dude, this coordinator for the Rams. Kevin O'Connell, yeah, Rams offensive good. coordinator. Sounds yep. like he's going to be the well, guy but, now. And he's another non-play right. calling offensive coordinator. Exactly. You know, he comes from, from, from the McVay tree, and how good is that? How far does it stretch before it starts to, you know, lose its luster, I guess you could say. 
Um, so yeah, so no Harbaugh in Minnesota, and I'm. Well, I think it would have been fun and entertaining. I'm glad from a competitive standpoint that Minnesota is not better as a result of it. It seemed like a really weird fit to me. I, I heard it out of nowhere, and I went, that's odd. Um, because the Vikings just don't get a lot of play nationally, and I kind of feel like if Harbaugh is going to go somewhere, I I feel like he wants to go to kind of like one of the one of the mainstay franchises. And then the other thing we talked about the other night, that dude ain't coaching Kirk Cousins. <laughs> right. That's just not that's just ain't gonna work. Yeah. I mean, he would the Kirk Cousins would have been on the first thing smoking if Jim Harbaugh had his way. I, I just based on the guys that he's coached over time and the quarterbacks that he's had, I just I did it didn't fit to me. I mean, mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook's a stud. Jefferson and Thielen studs. You got some. You got some decent pieces on defense. I get that, but hard to win in the NFL without a really, really good quality quarterback these days. And Cousins ain't it. No, so well, that, that's for sure. Um, uh, before we move on, I yeah. just want to say, okay, you brought up uh, the Packers promoting Luke Butkus. Yep. Dick Butkus has a Twitter account. I've heard that it's spectacular. It is unbelievably hilarious. All right, I'm gonna need to, I'm gonna need to go it's, and I'm gonna need it, to hit follow. Yeah, I think it's just at Dick Butkus, and it was really funny when his it's his grandson, I believe. Right? Is it? I think so. Okay, son or grandson, I can't remember. But when he congr- congratulated him on Twitter, the Dick Butkus on Twitter. Yeah, and. Uh, he said that congratulations on the promotion. I'm very happy to see you moving up in that expansion franchise. And it's just like he just hits these little digs, and it's not just Packer stuff. It's like everybody. It's really funny. Even if you're not a Bear fan, I think you'll get a kick out of it if you're a football fan. But, yeah, Dick Butkus on Twitter is a good follow. Great to see you moving up with an expansion team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just tweak. He, he, it's it, his nephew. It's his nephew. Okay, yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Man, that's funny. Good follow. Oh, my God. That's, oh, man. Something about yard making. Mm-hmm. Something about landscapers. Yeah, he, put, he, he he likes to needle people. There's no doubt. This is this is good. This is good. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad I hit the light. I'm glad I hit the follow button on that then. All right. Going to do that. Um, you can talk about the the Brian Flores thing. I mean, I know I know Michael um, down in Chicago, who's an attorney, he told me the other morning that he's like, last night I read all 58 pages of the Brian Flores lawsuit, and I just kind of went, why? I would have got to page four and been in a slight coma. <laughs> I don't know that I would have made it past page two, but he was just like, I don't know, because yeah. it was there to read, and mm-hmm. I'm an attorney and all that stuff. But There's this thing um, called TV. Try it. Yeah, <laughs> it, but it, it sounds like the the web that he's weaving is fairly far-reaching, and he's including a lot of different people and a lot of different teams. So he's, so he's, so he's suing the league. He's suing the Dolphins. He's suing the Giants. Yes. And I think the Broncos are in on this as well um, for basically – discrimination in the hiring process. Um, You know, they've had the Rooney rule in place now for several years, which is basically, uh, I I think, like, you have to interview at least two minority candidates, something like that. I I don't know the exact parameters, but you you can't just, you can't fight, you couldn't fire me 
and then just say, yeah, I want to hire Goldberg. You'd have to say, well, even though I want to hire Goldberg, I still have to interview all these other people, which really makes the Rooney rule a sham in and, in and of itself. It completely is. Um, so it's come out now in the last couple of days that really this all, well, Flores gets fired by the Dolphins, mm-hmm. right? It's pretty obvious he was not fired for what happened on Sundays because he had two of the best years the Dolphins have had in a very, very long time. It's a very young team. They've improved each of the last couple of years. Comes out, he alleges that his first year there, the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, um, was doing some shady stuff, offering $100,000 per loss to Brian Flores to essentially tank because they wanted the first pick, because they wanted a chance to pick Joe Burrow, um, which looks like it was probably would have been the right decision. Um, there was a story that said that they met, he met with Flores in the off season, and when he went to when Flores showed up to meet with Ross, there was a quarterback there that is that was currently employed by another team. Flores walked out and said, I'm not doing this. This is not this is not legal according to the bylaws or whatever. Um there was a story that came out that said when he went to interview with the Broncos that Elway when he showed up was less than a hundred percent. Let's I don't I, I don't I don't think he said he was drunk, but he said he looked disheveled and uninterested. Um and then the kicker of all of them was Bill Belichick his former employer with the Patriots was texting with him and congratulated Brian Flores on getting the Giants job. But unfortunately, Bill thought he was texting Brian Dable and Brian Flores hadn't even interviewed yet for the Giants job. And he was being basically told the job had already been given to someone else. You can go interview, but it's pointless. So having said all of that, I don't really know what to make of all of this because I'm I'm kind of all over the board. On one hand, I feel like the Rooney Rule is a sham. Um, It should have it was implemented for the right reasons, but teams just found a way to. It's too easy to get around. Yeah, teams found a way to satisfy it without actually accomplishing what it set out to do. There, there's no, and they just did yeah, what they wanted to do anyway. There, there's just no meat on that bone. We there. already know we want them. We'll just include a couple of other guys and we'll do, we'll, we'll do the dog and pony show. And at the end of the day, we're going to do what we want. And I think that if you are an owner of an NFL football team, I think you ought to be able to hire whoever the hell you want to. I don't think you should be told you have to hire a certain amount of black, Latino, female, gay, whatever, I don't think you should be mandated to do that because that's your team. Um, But I think that it's pretty obvious that there's a problem at the ownership level with entrusting their teams to black head coaches. Um, You look at this, and I, I heard this one. This was a good one. So a couple of years ago, Doug Peterson is Andy Reid's non-play-calling offensive coordinator. Eagles hire Doug Peterson. 
who slides into Peterson's job? Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is Andy Reid's non-play-calling offensive coordinator. Bears hire Matt Nagy. Who slides into that job? Eric Bieniemy, who is Andy Reid's non-play-calling offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy is then hired by nobody. Nobody. Struggling to get an interview. That's a red flag. Because that offense is actually better today than it was under Peterson and than it was under Nagy. Now, you can say, well, he's not calling the plays. Nobody was well, before that, but, but they, got, why are, they all got Why jobs. are these other yeah. guys who have already now since been fired, fired, why is the third guy who happens to be a black guy and actually a former pretty good NFL player in his own right, why is he not getting a chance? It's funny, those names that you mention, aside from Doug Peterson, those names that you mention, they were not really talked about as high, as highly respected and well-qualified people who are waiting to get their next shot that I saw from a lot of people that I follow and read on as Eric Bieniemy. Right. Everybody that I follow says that guy needs a job and needs an opportunity because he's going to kick ass. And it's not because of the color of his skin. It's because he knows what he's doing mm-hmm. and that people think that he's going to be good. I didn't hear that about any of the other guys. No, I, I, when the Bears hired Nagy, the only thing that was exciting about Nagy was where he came him from. Nobody had heard of him. No. But yet, Bienemy's in that same position, and all I've heard about for the last couple of seasons is like, this guy needs to be highly considered for one of these jobs. He's qualified. He'll do well. Somebody needs to hire him. And here we are. And, and it's well known that Andy Reid has been banging the table for three years that this guy needs to be a head coach somewhere. So it's not like Reed and the Chiefs are holding him back. He's not getting the opportunity out with the rest of the teams. Um, you know, when it comes to the Dolphin thing and the and the paying to the tank, to tank. Well, because now it just came out that Hugh Jackson jumped out and said the Browns also were going to pay him to tank. I'm a little dubious of that. I don't really trust Hugh Jackson. He hasn't proven over the... He's very quick to call ESPN up and give an exclusive. This is about the third or fourth time he's done this since he was unceremoniously kicked to the curb by the Browns. So he has an axe to grind. So I'm not... I don't... don't, I'm not saying it's not true, but I'm not... 100% 100% buying his story. But tanking's real. And as long as these drafts, and the NBA has dealt with it too over the last several years with the tanking, it's been a problem. As long as these drafts are structured the way they are, I don't know how you get around it. And then you get networks and talking heads ripping teams for winning games oh, well, right. at the end of the year. I, well, Detroit's so stupid. Why would you win that game? You don't want to win that third game. You want to win. The, you want to stay at two wins. So I don't know if you can get too up in arms and almighty about teams that tank for a draft pick, but then give them shit when they win games at the end of the year when you think they should be tanking. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how to, I mean, short of taking every non-playoff team, putting them in a hat, shaking the hat up, and everybody gets the same probability of getting the number one pick, 
There's no way to fix tanking in, in football. That was going to be my next question. What if they did a system where I know that there's a certain number of balls, you know, for for NBA teams, you know, the worst record that you have, would it benefit the league to go to a more lottery-type system, or would that possibly still relegate some of the bottom teams that have better chances to win but don't? Would it still relegate them to the bottom of the league or their division for longer if they aren't able to get one of the top two or three picks? I don't know. I mean... Because all of a sudden you have a mid-level team that's 500, let's say, but still doesn't make the playoffs because they're in a good division, and lo and behold, their one ping-pong ball lands in the top spot. It's like, holy shit, that's pretty awesome. Or the team that really needs the star quarterback is now going to have to mortgage more of their future because they're down in the low teens somewhere when they're the most, you know, they're they're the team that needs the most help. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how does that work in the NBA, I guess? Because do you, do you see a lot of that? I don't I don't follow the draft lottery uh, that close. It, Seems like there's movement in like the top 5. Yeah, maybe. usually it's I you know, the the only one that comes to mind where a real outlier I think the Bulls had like the 10th best odds out of like 14 teams to get the number 1 pick and they and they got it. Just so happened, coincidentally, they got it the year that Chicago native Derrick Rose was going to be the number one pick. I, I'm not saying there was any shenanigans there, but I'm also <laughs> not saying there wasn't. Usually, yeah, it's it's like in the top five. And, you know, I don't know that it would be the worst thing for football to do. How many times do we have to watch these young quarterbacks go to the Jets to die or go to Detroit to die? How many th- you know, maybe... Maybe a, a a seven win Bronco team should have the first should have an opportunity to get the first pick. You what know what I mean? What if you put a Ryan Leaf or a Tim Couch on a team that just needs a piece or two? Are they that bad? You put them in like a Garoppolo situation Does their where you're career not nosedive so fast and they're out of the league before anybody can sneeze. I don't know. I don't know. But do do teams tank? Yeah. Yeah. Do they offer their coaches money to tank? I I don't know about that. That, to me, would be dangerous. But, you know, one of the accusations that I heard a couple of black players make was that it seems that they these teams will hire a black coach kind of setting them up to fail. Like, we'll hire the black coach, but we're going to tank. So his record is going to be shit. And then once we get good, we'll get rid of him and we'll go get, you know, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, and then he can come in and be the be the savior. And in the meantime, Flores is going around with a, you know, a 10 and 30 record or whatever because he was on a team that was tanking. I mean, same thing kind of happened in Houston. You know, they hire that David Culley this year. They give him no nothing to work with, they overachieve a little bit, and they still fire him. Well, why? What would you fire him for? Uh, so there, there's something that has to change at the ownership level because it does appear there is, and I hate this phrase, it does appear there is some systemic racism at that level. Whether it's, Intentional or not, I don't know. 
Um, you know, a lot of these I heard yesterday, the average owner owns a football team for 40 years. Well, think about it. Who's he hiring? He's going to hire his son and his grandson and his brother and his nephew and his niece and his sister-in-law and Boys they probably club, all look family. They all probably look similar. Yep. You know, I mean, just take the Bears for example. The the Hallises owned it. He dies. His daughter Virginia McCaskey gets it. And you look at the top of the Bears regime; it's littered with family members. Um, so nepotism might be the bigger issue, truly, than racism. Sixty-three coaches that were employed this year were either biologically related to or by marriage related to another coach in the league. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, So there's some interesting breakdowns of that that I think will come out as this lawsuit goes on. I I don't think that this is going to work well for Brian Flores. I think that um, I know he's still a finalist for a couple jobs. We'll see if he gets them. But if he doesn't, I think it's going to be really hard for him to get a job in the NFL again. I, I just... Unfortunately for him, I just think it's going to be tough. All right, that's about an hour worth of uh, worth of NFL talk uh, right there. Um, we can switch to basketball uh, for the however long we want to play this out. Um, Bucks are starting a four game road trip in Portland on um, on Saturday, and uh, so boy, they lost that. Uh, or they they won that game against the Nuggets by a large margin, according to your dear notes there. Um, Knicks, Wizards, Cavs, Nuggets. Um, I don't know what do you what do you kind of make of the Bucks because they're. I mean, I I saw some very pointed uh, some pointed comments by Portis after after I think it was against the it was either the Cavs loss or the Nuggets loss. I can't remember which one. I'm disappointed. Yeah, right now they're not playing very well. I feel like they're kind of. They're kind of going through the motions a little bit. Okay. Um, they're beating the shitty teams. They're struggling against the better teams. You know, beat the Knicks at home, beat the Wizards at home the other night, go on the road to Cleveland, get their ass kicked. And then you play the Nuggets at home on Sunday night, and you get blown out by 36 points. Um, I th- I've, I've been saying it for a while. There's a trade coming, and it's going to be DiVincenzo. I have read that a lot of teams have inquired about him. Unfortunately, he hasn't played that well since he's been back. He's been very mediocre. I like the kid. I'd love to see him stick around. He has not been reliable. He's been hurt a lot. Um, they uh, Allegedly, they offered him. He's eligible for an extension at the end of the year. The Bucks offered him an extension before the year, roughly like, Three, four years, $9 million a year. He turned it down. The Bucks then traded for Grayson Allen and gave him a three-year, $9 million deal. They are currently $20 million over the luxury tax, and DiVincenzo will be a restricted free agent at the end of the year and will probably get four years between 50 and $60 million, so you're talking 13 to 15 a year. They can't afford him. So... I'm not sure it would be wise to let him just play it out and let him walk and not, and not get anything. 
unless the returns that you could get this year are just bad. Um, but they, the Bucks desperately need front court help. I read something yesterday. A lot of people around the league are very dubious that Lopez will be back this year. That remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, that Nugget game was a prime example. They got nobody to guard Jokic. Bobby Portis is five inches too short. Giannis is 60 pounds too light. And you don't want Giannis having to do that. You need him You need him so much on the other end of the floor, and you need him as a help defender. You don't really want to have him match up one-on-one with a guy like Jokic. It just, it's too much to ask. So I saw Daniel Tice as a guy that they were rumored to be interested in. He's currently on the Rockets. He had played the last several years for Boston. Um, you know, I think Montrez Harrell on Washington, who tried basically took Giannis out the other night, and Bobby Portis was nose-to-nose with him. I think he is a possibility. Um, there's guys, somebody might get bought out, kind of like LaMarcus Aldridge did last year where Brooklyn picked him up for nothing. Uh, but there's going to be some changes here in the next two to three weeks, I think, because this team is currently constructed is not going to win the East. It's too deep this year. So um, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, like you said, they got a tough week this week. Um Friday night, they are at Portland. Friday night or is it Saturday? Saturday night, yep. they're at Portland. Sunday night, they're against the Clippers. Tuesday, they got the Lakers. And then I think Thursday, they have the Suns. So Yikes. that is uh, that's another one of those. You go two and two, I'm thrilled. Right. You know, but they, I said it last week, and, uh, you know, they got to pick it up. When is the um, the target date that you have to be under the luxury tax before you are penalized? That I'm not sure. Okay. That I'm not sure of. Might be the end of the year for all I know, but um, they're they're going to have to pay in. And you know what? That's just the cost of winning a title. You know, that's just the cost of doing business. So owners are going to have to deal with that. All right. Um, things look pretty tight at the top of the East. Yeah, the top six teams are separated by two and a half games. Um, I think now it's three and a half because Brooklyn lost last night. They've lost six in a row. But Bulls, Cavs, Bucks, Sixers, Nets, and Heat, um, all six of them are good teams. I think four of them could win the East. So, you know, again, I, that's why I think the Bucks are going to have to make a move. It's just – it's just – it's not quite as top-heavy as it's been the last couple of years. It's a little more balanced, and there's some good teams. I mean, a team like Atlanta, who was in the conference finals last year, they're fighting to get in the play-in right now. So that just tells you the East is, is much improved. Uh, the all-star starters were named for each team, and Giannis got a vote. I thought, I'm trying to remember the guy who got <laughs> voted in for the first time as a starter. And oh, was, uh, Wiggins. Yes, Okay. Really surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was very surprised by that. I mean, he's on the Warriors. They're a popular team. I get that, but um, I wasn't expecting him to be a starter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anybody yeah. else from the Bucks going to make it uh, as, as any of the bench guys? I don't think so. I mean, I think Holiday had a chance before he got hurt, hurt. and missed all that time, and Middleton's just been okay. I, I don't know. This Buck team... I feel like they're I feel like they're tired. You know, I mean, 3 years ago they go to the conference finals, best record in the league. Next year best record in the league, then you have the break, then you go to the bubble, 
Then you have the all the shit that went on with the walkout, and then they struggled and they get beat. Then you come back last year and you play all the way into the frickin' July and you win the title. And then two of your three best guys go off the next day and play in the Olympics. Then you come back and start the season, and after one game, your center has back surgery. It's just been a, it's a lot, man. I, I just kind of feel like these guys are running on fumes a little bit. Tough to absorb. It is. Um, best team in the West right now? Uh, might be the best team in the league, man. Phoenix is good. 41-9, and 1-11 in a row. Um, and this is in the middle of um, their scandal with their own owner. Yeah. You know, I mean. Forgot about that. Uh, uh, well, most people have because nobody's been talking about it, coincidentally. But Phoenix is legit, man. I mean, I'm very, very, I think the Bucks did a very good thing for themselves by winning last year because I think Phoenix is better this year than they were last year. So, all right, you got anything else on the NBA? No, nope, nope, right. that's about it. Move to college hoops. Both uh, both the Badgers and Marquette played last night. Um, Good was, games. Was, yeah, it was a battle for the top two uh, of the top two in the Big Ten with Illinois and Wisconsin. I think the Illini were ranked 18th. Wisconsin was 11th. Um, that was after wins against Nebraska and Minnesota, even though they kind of blew a lead against the Gophers. Um, and then Kofi... Coburn slash Cockburn, just absolutely abusing. He was mushroom stamping everybody's forehead on the Badgers last night. Everybody. <laughs> Stephen Crawl, vote. I mean, I didn't watch much. I mean, the 8 o'clock tip times for me are just too late. Um, I'll try 9 o'clock with I the Marquette go, oh my game. God. I saw that, and I just went, that's got to be Eastern oh, time. Terrible. And I went, what? Terrible. At Midwest venue at 9 o'clock. Think of it in the East. If you're a Villanova fan and you're a kid, it's 10 o'clock at night on a freaking school night. Like, who's staying up for that? No. No. Um, so, yeah. it's a, But I saw I saw Cob- Coburn in the middle of the lane. I mean, he took Stephen Vogt. It was just, was just trying to post up on him. And he just put his hand around him just to try and get positioning. And he damn near threw him halfway across the court. And they threw it to him. He, turned, he spun around and he laid it in. And Vogt's looking at the ref. And the ref just kind of puts up his shoulders and his hands like, I don't know what you want me to do. He's bigger than you are mm-hmm. by a lot. And it didn't look like he did anything too egregious. You were just undersized. He's not even in the same stratosphere talent-wise, but he's as close to Shaq as I've seen in college, maybe since Shaq. When you're just talking about raw, brute physicality and strength that kid is a monster 37 and like 15 boards i mean just a monster yeah, badgers and don't have anybody that can that can compete with that badger shot like shit from 3 3 for 24 johnny davis was like 5 for 20 they only had one other guy in double digits that was wall yep um so the badgers did not play well but look illinois is a good team they're playing Ooh. at home they're they're just every bit as good if not better than the badgers so i i you know, that's not a bad loss by any means for the Badgers. Um, my concern with them is they've blown some leads late here recently. They did it with Minnesota. Um, they they did it a couple times earlier in the year. They they did. I think they did it at home against Indiana. There's a couple other games where they've been up big, and I don't know if it's a matter of letting their foot off the gas or what, but 
the games have tightened up late, and they've kind of had to pull a couple out of their ass to win. That's a little concerning heading into March. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially you get into this single ina- elimination tournament. Um, where generally just, all the teams are good. Yeah, it's just just something to keep your eye on here down the stretch right. of, of end-of-game situations for them. Um, Marquette has handed Villanova, meanwhile. Oh, Badgers play on uh, Saturday afternoon. That'll be a Penn State 5 o'clock tip time at the Kohl Center. Um, meanwhile, Marquette, um, Providence has lost two games in their last 11, and both of them have been to the Golden Eagles. Nova. Or no, or Villanova, I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, Villanova's lost twice in 11 games. Both of them have been to the Golden Eagles. I was surprised when I read the game story this morning. Like, they actually swept them in 20, I think it was like eight years ago, maybe. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, It's been a while since any, you know, Villanova doesn't get beat twice by teams very often. No. Um, I mean, obviously, I didn't watch any of the game. I think I was asleep by, by the time that it tipped off. But you stayed up and watched the whole game. I did, and I have said all year how pleasantly surprised I've been by yeah. Marquette. Because you came in not with a whole lot of expectations, or rightly so. They kind of patched together a team with a lot of transfer portal guys, a lot of incoming, a lot of outgoing. And it's his first year. It's not his recruiting class. You know, they're, they're not here yet. So it's like, you don't know what to expect. You're just going to see what happens. Well, I'm done being surprised. They're good. They are a good team. Um, they and And for... Badger fans that don't watch a lot of Marquette, um, the completely different team than you saw in Madison in December. Okay. Um, defensively, they look like those old VCU Shaka Smart teams. They're long, they're athletic, they play their ass off, and it's they don't have a star. They don't have a Johnny Davis. But they've got three or four guys that are really, really good college basketball players. I don't know if any of them are going to be NBA guys. Maybe. If they are, they're probably fringe-level guys. None of them are going to be first-round picks or anything. But really impressive. Um, You know, they beat Seton Hall by 10, swept them. They lost by two at Providence in a really, really good game that they could have won, but they didn't. Providence is winning the league right now. They split with them. They've won eight out of nine now. Like you said, they beat Villanova twice. But if you go back to the start of the Big East season, so they lose by nine to Xavier on the road. They lose by eight to UConn at home. They lose by five in double overtime at home to Creighton. They started out 0-3. I remember that. Since then, they've lost one game. Yeah. And it was on the road last week to Providence. Um. I mean, this team is like three or four possessions away from being about ten and or eleven and one in the Big East right now. If that was the case, they are probably a top ten team. So it's I'm I am looking forward to March this year as much as I can remember in the last several years. I think the I think the Badgers are good. I think that they are certainly a Sweet Sixteen caliber team and depending on the draw and things go their way, are certainly could be capable of making an Elite Eight. Marquette, I don't know how far they will go. I think they will be a bitch to play in those first two rounds. If they are a five seed in in that 5-12 matchup and everybody likes to pick the 12, not me. I think, who, I think if you play one of these 
small college teams, I think that length and athleticism could swallow them up. I don't. I'm not saying Marquette's going to beat Kansas, but I just think they would be a bitch to play. So it's going to be a fun February, and both of these teams are going to have an opportunity to win their conference tournaments. Badgers still have an opportunity to win their league. Marquette outside chance, probably not, but could win the tournament. And these are both NCAA tournament teams that have a chance to make a little bit of a run, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, the Badgers got Michigan State next week. Um, Penn State coming on Saturday. And I think Marquette plays at UConn on Tuesday. Yep. Um, and they're good. That's next week. that's well, one of the teams that's they, knocked them off. Right. They're good. And, 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 and they beat them at home. Yep. Um, so so you, with Marquette, that five seed, you were looking at some bracketology, and that's kind of where they have them kind of rooted in. They got them penciled in right now to play uh, Rick Pitino's Iona Gales oh, that's right. out east in Buffalo. Um, they have the Badgers, a three seed, uh, playing Oakland out of Michigan uh, at the five serve. Um, the four number ones right now, Auburn, Gonzaga, Purdue, Baylor. Uh, Purdue just, uh, that's not a number one seed team to me, but okay. there's still a lot of games to be played. The two seeds. Boy, that's a bunch of blue bloods there. Kansas, Kentucky, UCLA, and Duke. I watched on Saturday night. Kansas go down to uh, go down to uh, Kansas and obliterate the Jayhawks. So there's some teams right now in like Duke and Kentucky who they don't maybe have the recognizable names that we are used to. They're fucking good. They are good, and they have got some freshmen that are studs. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun March. There's no there's no standout team this year. Gonzaga is still good. <clears throat> Baylor, the reigning champs, is still good. Auburn, first time in school history they've ever been number one this year. I can only imagine the amount of money and cheating that Bruce Pearl's doing down there. And I'm for it. I don't even give a shit anymore. Piss on the NCAA. Cheat your ass off. The Badger football team yesterday went into the free agent pool, pulled six dudes out. This is just where we are now. And I'm all, I'm all about it. I don't care. I just want to see good games. That's all I care about. I just want to see good games. And, I, and I'm and i happy that we have two teams in state this year that we're going to get to see play fun games in March. And that's, you know, it's been a while since they've both been good at the same time. That was one of your kind of better little uh, little exclamatory things about about the NCAA there. We should have just ended the show right after that. What, what, which part? Just, just piss on the NCAA. Oh, yeah, fuck them. I mean, who cares? I don't give a shit. Cheat your ass off. Cheat, pay them under the table, give them a car, you know, buy them a tractor like like Nick Nolte did in Blue right, Chips for Matt right. Nover. Get him a tractor. Big bag of cash. Get, get Bush McRae's mom a job. Get Neon Bodeau a big-ass boombox. Whatever you got to do. Like Al Davis said, just win, baby. Perfect place to end it. Perfect place to end it. Or you know what? Because you know what else? You know what happens if you don't? You get that big old mushroom stamp right on your forehead. Cockburn, baby. Literally. Literally. A cockburn. <laughs> <laughs> that will do it for a jam-packed episode. We made a lot out of a yeah, little we did. there. Thank God for Brian Flores' is, oh, his, him suing the league. That wow. gave us an extra 20 minutes, so... That's a lot. That's a lot. I need a water. I'm getting raspy. You, but you're gonna have to carry the game tonight. I talk too much today. That's all right. <laughs> That's fine. 
All right. Uh, yeah, we didn't even dive into local high school. But we got tournament stuff here in just a couple of weeks. There's about three weeks left in the regular season. We're getting close. We'll, we'll maybe talk a little tournament stuff. As We're, we, 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 this is a time of year we get both happy and sad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for the Intentional Foul. Thank you for listening, downloading. Please subscribe as well. And, of course, we request that you please tell your friends. So, uh, until next time, I'm Josh. Dan. We will talk to you then. Go Bucks.